Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical. Tips from the CRA Helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and welcome to episode five, where I'll be discussing the infamous monitoring visit reports, also known as MVRs or trip reports. I know this does not sound like the most exciting topic, but it is extremely important as it's a huge part of the CRA career. So are you with me? You can do this. I know that it's not the most interesting topic, but hang in there. There's going to be a lot of good tips for you to help you and monitoring visit report completion. So for those of you that don't know, let's start with the guidelines. Per ICH GCPs, the monitor should submit a written report to the sponsor after each trial site visit or trial-related communication. The guidelines also state what each report should include, and I'm going to just summarize this part, but it should include a summary of what the monitor reviewed, any significant findings, facts, deviations, deficiencies, and actions taken or to be taken. So because of this, when you work for a company, there should be SOPs, those member standard operating procedures regarding each type of monitoring visit. So usually it'll list like the purpose, you know, of each type of visit, the task to be performed at each, um, as well as usually what will be attached to it as like a template, a monitoring visit report template for that particular type of visit, as well as um, a template for the confirmation letter and the follow-up letter and what they need to include. But in this episode, we're going to focus solely on trip reports. So I'll make sure to to stay on that. But since these reports contain so much detail, the reviewer can get a clear picture of what's going on at a site without even being there. That's how much detail there is. A third party can read it and know exactly what's going on. And this is especially important also in the case of audits. You know, you have QA audits, FDA audits, and they should get a clear picture as well. So um, definitely, you know, want to make sure there's a lot of detail. So depending on the type of visit is going to determine the content of the report and the procedures that are to be performed at each. But in this episode, I'm going to reference a routine monitoring visit or RMV, as this is going to be the type of report that you're going to complete the most. So this report contains tons of detail, like um, documentation of everything reviewed. Um, Let's see, including consent forms, um, HIPAAs that were reviewed, source document review, source document verification, query resolution. Um, review of the investigator site file or that regulatory binder, lab samples, IP review and accountability, that's um, investigational product or study drug. So let's stop here for a minute. So I just loaded you up with um, some things that, you know, a monitor is going to assess, you know, review, document in their routine monitoring visit trip report. And I want to stop here because I want to point out that when you document these things of what was reviewed, I want you to be specific. So for example, oh gosh, for a subject, the first thing that you review for any subject is going to be that consent form and the HIPAA. And if you do not have a signed ICF or a signed HIPAA, then you have to stop there. You cannot go any further without a signed ICF and a signed HIPAA. So that's a whole nother topic. But um, so in your report, when you're actually documenting, okay, which consents you, you know, consents and the HIPAAs that you reviewed, at your monitoring visit. Um, In addition to that subject number, you want to also be sure to include the version reviewed. There may be multiple versions of the consent form in your study. So it's just very important that you're going to, you know, that you document in addition to the subject number, what version you reviewed. And then of course, you'd want to document, you know, if there were any issues. 
Same thing with source document review, source document verification. When you're documenting what was reviewed, be specific. So not only, again, that subject number, you want to also note the visits that you reviewed. You know, if there's any pending queries for the site to complete, list the visit numbers in addition to that subject number. And for the contents of the investigator site file, um, so the regulatory binder contains tons of documentation, which are going to contain multiple versions. So for example, um, the protocol, there may be an original protocol and then amendment one, amendment two, amendment three, um, the investigator brochure, there could be version one, version two, version three. I already, um, had mentioned the consent form can have multiple versions. Um, sometimes if the study goes on for years, you know, there'll be multiple, uh, versions of the medical licenses for a doctor, you know, it'll, you know, they'll have the expiration date and then they have to provide their renewed license as well. So there'll be, you know, different versions of that, um, as well as updated, you know, GCP training, um, um, as well as the 1572, there's going to be multiple versions of that. So believe me, the binder grows and grows and grows, you know, as you're on a study. But the important thing here is when you're documenting, you know, um, documentation that you reviewed in that regulatory binder, also maybe something that's missing, you want to be very specific um, in regards to the version. So you might, you know, note that the protocol signature page or PSP is missing, you know, um, you know, from the, you know, investigator site file, well, you want to make sure was it the original protocol? Was it for amendment one? So be very, very specific. And not only again, for that reviewer to get a clear picture, but also for a monitor that may be taking over your site, they can have a clear picture, they know exactly what was reviewed, where to jump in. And also, a lot of times, um, and I go over this more in the course, but regarding like, you know, a CTMS system or, um, you know, when you have a follow-up letter, these action items that like, say there's something a site needs to provide, these action items go into the follow-up letter, which goes, you know, which a follow-up letter goes to the site after the visit and they'll see, you know, the pending things that they need to provide. So they need to know what version, you know, as a reminder for them, okay, this is the version needed. This is the version I need to provide. So it's very important, again, to be so specific. Uh, same thing with lab samples. Um, you don't want to just say, you know, okay, I, you know, lab results were observed to be missing for subject two. You want to be specific. Okay, subject number, what visit was this for? Which lab sample? There's multiple lab samples usually in a study. So, you know, was it a PK sample? Was it a urinalysis? So be specific. And lastly, the same thing with IP accountability, that investigational product accountability. What subject, what visit? Or if it's an issue with, say, a shipment, a drug shipment, and maybe it wasn't documented on the accountability log, which shipment? Which shipment was it? So, um, you know, I'll get into, you know, um, I'll talk about, you know, documentation of issues in a minute, but um, I definitely wanted to point, you know, the importance of, you know, being specific and, you know, indicating that clear picture. And again, another monitor taking over your site. I have definitely taken over many a sites. And so you definitely, you know, a detailed report helps a monitor to know exactly where to jump in. It makes things a whole lot easier. So some other things that a CRA is going to assess, and again, they're going to document in that report. Is the site's compliance with the protocol, you know, um, also with ICH GCPs, with regulations. So they'll document that. They're going to also assess and document, you know, if a site is entering data in a timely manner and answering queries in a timely manner. And usually this is per um, the entering the data and the query resolution is usually per um, CRF completion guidelines. So, you know, that'd be something you would assess and document. 
And also if the site staff is performing study procedures that they've been delegated appropriately by the PI to perform, you know, so were they on the delegation log to do that task? You know, are they qualified to do it? Have they been appropriately trained? So it's, you know, that's something else that would be assessed and documented. You know, is there proper PI oversight? At this particular site, you know, is the PI involved? Are they overseeing the trial? Are they overseeing the study staff appropriately? Um, so that's something else. And, you know, it's also detailed who was present at that visit, everyone that was present. And also if the CRA met with the PI and what exactly was discussed. So a lot of detail. So I want to jump to, um, since we're on the subject of detail, I wanted to talk about the importance um, of being detailed when documenting an issue observed. So a CRA shouldn't just document just the issue, that's it, end of story. It's important that the issue is documented, but also the resolution and what measures were taken in order to prevent it from happening again. So there's a lot to that. And also, does it require reporting to the IRB, that institutional review board? So I'm going to come out with an example. I figured this might make it a little easier. And again, I know this is kind of weird because there's no slides and I'm just talking away and um to my screen here, but, <laughs> and, um, so I'm trying to make this, um, as easy to understand as possible. So maybe an example might help. So if a CRA observes, say that the consenter, the person consenting the patient or the subject, say the consenter didn't sign subject one's ICF. And remember I talked about versions, say version two. So remember, like we talked about version number, subject number, if any visits are involved, note the visit. So in this case, I would document that, you know, upon review of subject one's version two consent form, it was observed that the consenter did not sign a date when consenting the subject. So great, wonderful. This includes which subject, what the version was, and what the issue was, but it doesn't include the corrective and the preventative actions. So, okay, first of all, what's required to correct it? So to correct the issue, the consenter definitely needs to sign and date the consent form. And remember that when they're signing, it should always be with the current date. And I'm not kidding. I've actually, you know, it should be research one-on-one, but I've actually had people say, now what date do you want me to sign with? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's always today's date. You know, always today's date. Please don't backdate. So, um, so just a side reminder, just to always make sure that anybody signing, even though it's later, it might be a late entry, but it always, anyone signing has always got, you know, has always got, so sorry for the grammar, always needs to use the current date. <laughs> so that's another topic I want to cover is grammar. So I'm really being a good example right here. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you've got the consenter signing with the current date. So guess what? Now you're looking at this consent form. And you've got the subject that has one signature and date, and then the consenter has their signature and date. So there's going to be different dates between the subject and the consenter on the ICF. So there needs to be some sort of explanation that documents the issue in the source. And in my experience, if I were to see this, the first place I'm going to, you know, so if I were to see these two different dates, the first place I'm going to look at is the consent process documented in the source to see if this was addressed or, you know, or anything explaining what had happened here. But, um, you know, so that would definitely be the first place I look at. Also, as part of the consent process, subjects receive a copy of the signed consent. Um, and since the consenter added their signature, you know, since the subject received the copy when initially consented, since the consenter added their signature, I would advise the site to give the subject an updated copy and then to document that in the source as well. 
And then lastly, I would require, you know, um, next, you know, will this issue require reporting to the IRB? Remember, remember the Institutional Review Board. Now, each IRB is different in regard to what they require reported. Um, most now, most central IRBs that I deal with now, um, usually the the issues that they want reported is anything that would affect subject safety or data integrity. It used to be way back in the day where maybe every protocol deviation was reported, but now it's like, okay, they might not be as concerned about a one day out of window visit, for example. Um, but yet anything affecting subject safety or data integrity, they definitely want to know. So each IRB is different, um, you know, with what they require reported and when. So the blanket statement that I usually use and, you know, when I would, document on my trip reports is, you know, that the site was advised to submit this to the IRB per their reporting guidelines. And then what I would do is that would be something that I would confirm with a site if it was reportable or not per their IRB. Um, you know, and then that'd be something else that might be a follow-up action item that I confirm with them. And then the site would document that. So, and then that would close that loop. So lastly, how will this be prevented? Okay. So the corrections happened here. How is it going to be prevented from happening again? So usually this is through re-education or retraining of the site. So you'll want to retrain the person, the consenter, who you know, whoever this happened with. You want to um, retrain them regarding the consent process. Um, you know, ensuring completeness of the ICF during the time. You know, when you're actually, you know, administering consent to the subject. You know, confirm that the consent form is complete and accurate. You know, at that time. But you know, definitely, you know, retrain them regarding the consent process and then document that retraining. So. After all that said and done, this is pro- so. This is you know the statement I would note in the report. So, upon review of Subject One's Version Two consent form, it was observed that the consenter did not sign a date when consenting the subject. Doctor Smith was advised to sign and date the consent form with the current date, give an updated copy to the subject, and document the issue in the source as a late entry. The site was advised to submit this issue to the IRB per their reporting guidelines. Dr. Smith was re-educated regarding the consent process, the training documented, and filed the regulatory binder. And there you go. <laughs> so, you know, this kind of, you know, it includes the issue, the correction, and and how to prevent it from happening again. And whatever could not be completed or confirmed by the CRA at the, at the visit, then that would result as an open action item in the report. So sometimes usually like, for, you know, usually when I had an issue like this, usually the part when it involved reporting, you know, submitting it to the IRB and also giving a copy to the subject and, you know, documenting that, you know, an updated copy to the subject and documented that in, in the source, getting a little tongue twisted, um, that usually w- was the two open action items, you know, that I had to follow up on with the site. So these are just some examples of what is to be documented in an RMV trip report. And I will go into way more detail in my upcoming course, which will also include tips regarding completion as well. Like I talked about grammar, <laughs> grammar, spelling, the importance of proofreading. It's to be written in third person. Um, you want to make sure to ensure consistency. Oh my goodness. It made my skin crawl. You want to be consistent. There would be questions. Yes, they could conflict. You know, it was kind of like, huh, this question is asked in this section. Then in another section, it would be asked. But you want to make sure it's consistent in the answer. So like it would be asked one way in the first section, like uh, regarding compliance. So it might, they might say, okay, was the site, you know, um, was the site compliant with the protocol with the study procedures? Somebody may put no. Then later on and, you know, and then they would list and document what the issues were. Then in another section, it'll say, you know, were there any, you know, protocol deviations noted? And they put 
no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, read it carefully because if over here they're not compliant with the protocol, then when it said, were there any protocol deviations noted in the next section, you'd expect to see yes. And then document that. Um, and then the investigator site file section, it may say, um, you know, it was the investigator site file reviewed and, you know, was it complete and accurate? And they would put yes. And then in the bottom, you know, then in other sections, they, you know, would answer no, and this document's missing and this document's missing. So it's like, okay, well, then it wasn't complete, then was it, you know, so then you just want to make sure that it's consistent, and it all goes together um, with each other. So, um, you know, same thing, like, if, you know, they're like, how was investigation, you know, were there any issues with study drug, but then you see an open action item regarding study drugs. So you just want to make sure everything is consistent. That's another huge thing that you will see in monitoring. Another huge thing is consistency. If there's a place that the same thing can be found or, or, or reported, you want to make sure everything matches and consistent, whether it be different reports, whether it be different places in the source, you know, even in, you know, anywhere, it all needs to be consistent. So like even with study drug, if I'm reviewing source, and I'm reviewing my reports from IVRS, and I'm reviewing the, you know, the accountability log, all these places, it needs to be consistent. And also the actual inventory and the pill count and this and that, everything needs to be consistent. So you have the importance of subject safety, subject safety, data integrity. I love the word consistency, because that happens a lot, you know, and you have to confirm that a lot um, as a monitor as well. So I wanted to throw that little side tip out. But so for the sake of time, um, I did want to jump and mention again how important timely, you know, trip reports are. In my experience, in addition to training compliance, this was a huge metric. And that's why I wanted to touch on this again. You may remember me mentioning in the time management episode, episode two, where I touched on the importance of on-time trip reports and that report turnaround time. Sometimes they use the acronym MVR, T-A-T, for monitoring visit report turnaround time. So remember, like I've talked about, primary obligations as a monitor, subject safety, data integrity. So it's important that all observations, issues, any resolution, re-education, and and escalation, we document anything that has to be escalated is promptly documented. And again, as a CRO, we're a contract research organization. So included in the contract is time and budget. And we're contracted with the sponsor. And part of that contract is submission of trip reports. So we want to be... Um, compliant. We want to meet our contractual obligations. That's another important reason. And lastly is the addendum. GCP R2 addendum actually, this was added, notes that reports of on-site or centralized monitoring should be provided in a timely manner for review and follow-up. And then results of monitoring activities should be documented in sufficient detail to allow verification of compliance with the monitoring plan. So I just wanted to add that because this is something new with the R2 addendum. Um, you know, because, oh my gosh, before the R2 addendum, GCPs weren't updated for like 20 years. So um, so this is something that was added with the R2 addendum. So again, they're, they're touching on in the guidelines the importance of timely trip reports and follow-up and being compliant with the monitoring plan. Remember that CMP, the clinical monitoring plan? You're going to hear about it a lot. I told you. I told you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. So like I mentioned, um, most companies are going to track that draft submission date and the finalization date. So these due dates are going to depend on SOPs, your standard operating procedures that you have your company. If you're a CRO, a contract research organization, it's going to depend on sometimes studies may still follow a sponsor's SOP, SOPs or a study may um, follow the CRO's SOP. So it just depends whose SOPs you're following and what's in there as far as the due dates. 
Um, But the take home message is being on time, set reminders, whatever works for you. For me, it was reminders. Um, Once you submit your draft to your lead, for example, um, you know, I would submit my lead. I'll use myself as an example. I would submit my draft, my draft. Oh my goodness, it's getting late. I would submit my draft trip report to my lead and I would, you know, have a reminder on my phone of when that draft was due. Like, this is the latest it could be due. You better get it done. You know, and I would have that reminder. Well, then after I submitted it, I would put a reminder on my phone maybe for two days later because if I haven't heard back yet, you know, say with any clarifications or any revisions or finalization of it, then I want to check in with my lead to find out what the status of the report is. So I would, you know, maybe type up an email and, you know, send it to my lead and ask them, you know, um, just wanted to check in on the status of, you know, this particular trip report. And, you know, if, if there's anything that I need to do in order to get this finalized on time. Um, and then, you know, sometimes they may be like, oh my goodness, thank you for reminding me. I'm going to review it now. Um, you never know. If you do have an issue with a lead responding though, let your, um, you know, you know, definitely sometimes we, you know, it depends on how your company set up, but sometimes we have CRA managers or line managers. You want to let them know if there is any issue with a lead responding, um, you know, getting your report reviewed. But anywho, I, I never had a problem on my particular studies. You know, my most, you know, most of my leads were very responsive. I had great leads. I, I have to say I was very blessed um, and they would be very responsive, get it reviewed and, and send it you know, send it in. Anyway, so if it wasn't finalized right away, um, then maybe there was an update or clarification needed and I would make that and then I'd resubmit it and then I'd put another reminder in my phone because the next due date is when it's to be final and I don't want it to get too close to that date. So the next reminder is if I haven't seen where it's been finalized yet, again, I want to check back in with my lead. So it's so important because a lot of CRAs, and I've, I've seen this, where they might think, okay, I've submitted it to my lead as, you know, they're in charge of it now. So if it's late, it's their fault. No, it actually is going to, the CRA is going to be the one, who, you know, it's going to show up on the CRA's performance review and the CRA will be the one that's dinged. So even though you've submitted it to them and you're waiting on them to review it, you need to track it. Stay on top of it. You don't want it to slip through the cracks. You know, the leads are very busy. <laughs> so, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, um, issues with sites and, you know, you know, being a lead for the study and, you know, um, a lot they're responsible for and you never, ever know. So just again, I don't want you to, to get dinged if a report is late. So, um, definitely stay on top of it. Every part of that turnaround time process, stay on top of it. Oh my goodness. Time is just flying. <laughs> There's so much more for me to talk about and tips for successful trip report completion, which I'll definitely review um, in my upcoming course and, you know, in a lot of detail. But thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, um, feel free to send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find me at the CRA Helper. Um, if you want to find out any more about the upcoming course, it's called Bring Your Dream Job to Life. And you can find that also um, on my website, thecrahelper.com. And if you like what you hear, definitely hit subscribe. And again, thank you so much for listening. And I pray you have a great day. Until next time.